Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles presented by Bolin Media. I am Ross Bolin, joined today by Mr. Barrett Dudley to discuss season four, episode eight of Succession, titled Too Soon. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The title that, was yeah, America yeah. Decides. That's America right. Decides. That's how I feel about it, that uh-huh, it was uh-huh, too uh-huh. soon. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't love the word. Uh, like I, I, I just kind of recoil at its usage sometime, sometimes. But I was watching this episode, and the only thing that I could really think of was like trigger that this was triggering. This, this really fit the definition. Uh, and, it did, and and I don't know what else to to to, to call it. So I'm so I'm going to use the word. Look, it gets overused, uh, it, but it's an right. accurate word for when you are so upset by something emotionally due to <laughs> past experience that you are unable to keep yourself together kind of like that that's yeah and you know it, what i'm and, saying right and and for me it almost made it like you know i thought this episode was a, of course extremely well done and just it continued the string of amazing episodes here that we're getting in this final season but at the same time like basically through the first I don't know, 35 minutes of it. I, I was just like, this is this is horrendous. You know, this is so uncomfortable. This well, is because you knew what was coming. This is so bad. Uh and you know, I and 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 there I was just sitting with my stupid LaCroix that it's not even that lemony. Not even that lemony, man. You know, you know, I didn't even have the the, the lemon flavor to, to tide me over. So yeah. I'm I'm assuming that the vibes in your household when this one came to a close <laughs> weren't at an all-time high. And that's how it was. I mean, like my my wife was like was genuinely pissed off by yeah, the end of the episode. I, yeah, I, I think you know, ju- just as, as we're just kind of like discussing the the, the broad strokes here. At, at least in twenty twenty, no, I'm sorry, in twenty sixteen, we didn't have the, uh, the the actual window into what was happening in like news media. Yeah, you know. And in fact, if I remember correctly, like Fox News was one of the first ones to make a pretty big state call. I don't remember which one it was, but like they called one of the big swing states like before some of the other networks did in 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 Sleepy Joe's favor there. So uh, it it was, you know, there, there were definitely there were some definite differences. What this one really framed up for me is that I I. I cannot believe that news media has as much like news media should not be the ones cable news media should not be the ones broadcasting elections. It was my large takeaway from this. Like that, that system is, is broken. You know, I mean, but that's, that to me was what the episode was about for the most part is how that the breaking of that system has only happened in the past 10, 15 years or right. so. I mean, yeah. really, you yeah. could date it yeah. back to Gore and Bush. Yeah. That yes. was the first really, like in my lifetime, confusing election where people were like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Who won? Who is the president? <laughs> and the fact that we don't have, I, for lack of a better term, good enough mm-hmm. cable news networks to keep us informed as a citizenship is a huge part of the problem. Now, we can obviously get into the episode and the details of what I think this show is trying to say about all that, um, but it is extremely complicated. Like from, for all intents and purposes, they do give you a little bit of a window into both sides of the ball here in sure. this episode of Succession. Yeah, and it's it's just it's not it's not pretty. It's not a fun thing to look at. No, it's it's pretty it's pretty ugly. When you, I mean, look, the title <laughs> of the episode alone, "America Decides." 
is in jest. It's tongue in cheek. The implication yeah, yeah. being, of course, that America does not decide. Does not decide. Yeah. That this very uh, uh, small group of powerful, extremely wealthy and influential people is in fact who decides, which they have hit on time and again. Yes. Throughout yeah. Succession's uh, run here uh, through four seasons. So let's dive into this thing because we have a lot to discuss. We cold open this week with Tom inside the ATN offices preparing for the 5 p.m. presidential election coverage on election day, right? This is the next day, again, shockingly. And in the background, as Tom is like at his desk, like trying to get his shit together, you can hear Jared Mankin ranting about, quote, sleepwalking into oblivion, uncontrolled migration, hyperinflation, rampant crime, and cultural Marxism, which all, of course, you know, mirror the talking points of the right in terms of what they throw at the left. Pretty much every election we have now. And uh, Tom says it's his first post-Logan election that apparently Sid is running around town spitting poison like a fucking King Cobra with an iPhone. Uh, Sid, of course, is who he replaced as the head of ATN. Correct, yeah. He's got PGN to the left of him, FVA to the right, and then he has to deliver the best election numbers ever or he's going to be fired. And I thought it was really interesting. So if like, if ATN is our Fox News equivalent Mm -hmm, in real mm -hmm, life, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that Tom sees ATN as in the middle with PGN to the left and FVA to the right. Like this past several years, we have seen the rise of even more right-leaning news organizations than Fox News. Oh, yeah. So that tracks, and it's like they were trying to give you a little bit of an impression why Tom might feel the way he does about needing to get a certain message. Essentially, he's trying not to lose his audience share. Mm -hmm. It isn't about truth anymore. It's about money. It's about ratings. It's all about the numbers. And numbers, yeah. So... Um, and again, important note, Tom has indeed replaced Sid at this point. She is gone. He's running the ship. Yeah. He's running the ATN ship. Very short cold open, but kind of just keys you up with a little bit of an anxiety bump there for, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, Tom's got a lot on his plate. Didn't you know? mean to make that a cocaine metaphor, but that's what happened. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Tom is, Tom is drowning in it. Like, uh, we saw him drowning in it last week. This is the next day, right? Yeah, Bonzo did not get enough, uh, bedtime. No, he is, did not. Is, uh, the thing about it. Which, by the way, as we covered on Patreon, is a, is a, uh, 1980s Ronald, or 1970s Ronald Reagan film where he stars with a chimpanzee named Bonzo. Yeah. Bedtime for Bonzo. After, Bosco. After... <laughs> After the cold open, Kendall calls Tom and pressures him over needing to do enormous numbers on ATN tonight. Basically being like, we need this tonight. The market is watching. You need to be on your A game, Tom. And Tom checks in with Pam, who is his right-hand woman, and asks her if she has seen the viral thing about the woman who voted like 40 times for Jimenez under her dead mom's name. Which, of course, one of the big, you know election fraud rumors that were tossed around for weeks and weeks and weeks was that people were were gaming the system yeah voting multiple times dead people were voting dead people were voting all over the place there was all all a number of fraud yeah. across the country uh-huh, right uh-huh. most of which i'd say almost all of which turned out to be complete hooey but uh pam tells tom that they tracked this woman down and it wasn't credible that she wasn't a well woman and uh, Tom pressures her to run the story anyway because Pam is not a doctor. And until she is a doctor, <laughs> they need to get that story out there. So uh, Pam also comments on Tom's shoes, that, that he's not wearing as comfortable of shoes as Sid would have worn in the past. 
and he lets her know that he has good arches. They've been remarked upon. <laughs> so he's confident in his he's nice fine. shoe he's choice. He's fine in, yeah. his, in, his, yeah, in his dress shoes. Tom asks, uh, he asks their election coverage. He's the numbers guy, Darwin. Darwin. is the dude that yeah, he's, yeah. he's like the, the one who certifies the votes or something. I'm not exactly clear on his uh-huh. position, but. Shouts he, to this actor from The Great. Yeah, it's, his name's Adam Godley. Yeah. He's, he plays the, you know, kind of perverted priest. Priest, in yeah. The Great. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which has begun its third season on Hulu, I would note. Um, he asks Darwin if he wears adult diapers for the evening. <laughs> Like that it's such an intense nonstop yeah. work night that the, there are some rumors, right? Yeah, that, that he, there are rumors he, he, that he, people he, wear adult yeah. diapers so they don't even have to stop to go to the bathroom. Huh. Um, Darwin notably is wearing some some cozy slippies. Oh, those are nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he tells Tom that he he thinks there's always time for the bathroom. <laughs> uh, Greg asks Tom if he got any sleep last night. Tom says no, no marital strife, and. <laughs> Greg says he himself had a monstrous night out with the Swedes that Matson's crew knows some pretty unseemly venues that he danced with an old man, an old man who didn't want to dance with him, but they made them dance. The old man was so confused. And Greg says that he drank things that aren't normally drinks. What was the what was the, blood? I don't know, man. I, I, it's, it's supposed to be vague here. But what it remind? have you seen Babylon yet? No, not yet. OK. All right. Well, if anybody. Basically, what I was thinking about is the Tobey Maguire um, underground Los Angeles sequence in the f- in the film Babylon when he was talking about Madsen taking him to some unseemly venues. Okay. Uh, so if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you should watch Babylon. But uh, but yeah, I think it was just supposed to be like you know they went to some some underground places that uh, that that uh, that I don't know. Crazy, right. well-connected people spots. Yeah, people living the lifestyle, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the lifestyle. Now that's all in the news. Drinking snake venom and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Uh, Greg goes on to ask Tom if he knows about Matson and Shiv and their sort of business alliance agreement. And Tom plays it coy here like he doesn't know anything, which made me wonder if he genuinely doesn't know anything because he doesn't listen to a word that comes out of his wife's mouth. No, he knows. Or he just, yeah, he just didn't want to admit to Greg. Uh, well, or, or talk about it directly, I suppose. I think that he what what he says to Greg here is pretty like wink wink, where he's like, "Oh, I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, you know, he even says it in like that kind of like his phrasing is a little winky, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And no. then what, what he follows that up with, which, which is a great line, by the way, I'm sure you've got it jotted down there. I do. Uh, also makes me think that it's an like he's acknowledging that like. Yes, I know, but I'm not saying I know because what we're doing here is gathering and collecting and hoarding, and then we then we use it. Waiting for the right moment. He yeah. says, information, Greg, it's like a bottle of fine wine. You store it, you hoard it, you save it for a special occasion, and then you smash someone's <laughs> fucking face in with it. Which I, did, I didn't know that's what you do with that, fine no, that, wine. Yeah, that's what you do with the fine wine. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Here, 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 here I've been just, you know, drinking it on the uh, rare occasions, and really I just should have been smashing people in the face with it. <laughs> in their fucking face. Yeah. Darwin lets all the ATN anchors know that their current read is closer than expected, with Mankin having some surprising numbers in a couple of states, but that Jimenez will likely edge him out. And Mark Ravenhead boos. <laughs> um, so that's that's where we start things. All right. That yes, Mankin has has done surprisingly well, but that Jimenez is is going to be the next president of the United States. That's our first look into the election numbers. Yeah. 
And uh, you'll remember last week, Shiv was made aware by Tom that according to polling, Mangan was four or five points ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, Behind, Menez yeah. was four or five points ahead. And uh, that seems to have maintained, you know, somewhere around there. Then Kendall gets a call from Tom, letting him know exit polls say it looks like Jimenez. And so Tom is like kind of, it's just weird watching everybody devolve over the course of the episode. Like I'll talk a lot today about how Kendall really takes a while to get there in terms of uh, going all in on the Mankin ship. But uh, at the beginning, Tom is even calling him, letting him know that Jimenez is indeed in the lead, and Kendall is like genuinely stoked on that. You can tell he's kind of excited. I think he's still weighing more heavily in the information about his daughter, his overall thoughts on the country, right, at this point. Uh, Shiv says she got four smiley emojis from Gil. Roman says he got eggplant, eggplant flag from Mankin. And Shiv's like, well, two eggplants is not as much as four smileys, obviously. But uh, this just just giving you a window into like both sides think that they're that they're crushing it, right? So Shiv calls Matson and lets him know that Jimenez is probably going to win, which is huge for democracy, as she puts it, and huge for them. And she asks if he wants if Matson wants to release his funky numbers related to India tomorrow, strategically, so that they will get swept up in the presidential news cycle and just fade out, mm-hmm. right? Smart thinking from Shiv. Um, although not exactly morally sound, but smart. Matson says he talked with Oscar and Gregory Peggery about that. Uh, Greg was part of the conversation just as a normalist <laughs> and that he wants to keep his terrible secret a secret. Uh, so Matson's not exactly surrounded by the best minds in the world, it turns out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, regardless of whether it would get swept up in the uh, the presidential election news, which I'm sure it would, it would still be a story and it still seems like it would affect their ability to complete the deal at the current price. You would think so, but right? also the so implication like I'm, I'm, seems to be that Jimenez does not care at all about wrangling in big tech right, and that right. he would just like wave this deal on through regardless. Sure, but... But uh, but the Waystar, I guess the Waystar board would still have to like you know like agree to it all. And, you like, think so? It still seems like it could get hairy. But but uh, but but yeah, for for whatever strategic reasons, Shiv likes dropping like likes dropping the idea of this news now. Yeah, Nate getting calls Shiv there, getting in front of it. Nate calls Shiv and drops a "Who watches the Watchmen?" as he pressures her to cover the voter intimidation that's taking place, which mm. apparently ATN is not saying anything about yet. And Shiv responds, who watches The Watchmen? I fucking do. Spoiler alert, she doesn't. <laughs> it turns out she does not. Um, Roman and Kendall discuss the potential outcomes of the election, and this is like the first time they kind of get into it, where Roman says that if Jimenez wins, he'll just wave the Gojo deal through, and that basically at that point, Kendall and Roman would be toast as co-CEOs of Waystar, and their ownership over the company would likely cease to be a thing. Uh, which is exactly the point in the episode where Jared Mankin calls Roman for a face-to-face, or texts him, rather, and things really start to spin out of control here. Kendall asks Roman if he can be in on that. Roman's like, oh yeah, checking, nope, sorry. They only have room for me, just gonna be me. And you can kind of start to see Roman is making his power play here mm-hmm. with Mankin as his his, uh, his guy. His guy that yeah, he is yeah. backing in an effort to maybe presumably take control of Waystar entirely by himself. Or at least, at the very least, shield himself from any type of ousting. You yeah. Know, if he's which, the one with that relationship, then, then 
he kind of has to stay, especially if Mencken does, is not agreeable to like shift that relationship to another person. Very important piece yeah. here to keep in mind the rest of the episode. Roman, as we discussed last week, is completely screwed. Jerry is going to fry his entire career and likely, uh, like, if, we talked about it already, but if, if Waystar has to pay out Jerry and it's because of Roman, Roman is in trouble. But if Roman maintains the closest relationship of anyone with the next president of the United States of America, then maybe he's not so screwed after all, right? right? So this is kind of his last mm -hmm. play here. Um, Roman also impresses upon Kendall that this is the moment of maximum leverage when Kendall says, like, oh, I'm, I might just, like, wait a day before he reaches out to Gil or Jimenez directly. <clears throat> and uh, that just, again, puts you in Roman's headspace where you, you have to realize, like, he doesn't... He thinks this is it. This is the day to make his play kind of no matter the consequences, no matter what he has to do, he's got to put himself in a better position than he's currently in. And I'm still trying to figure out what Kendall's strategy was during this episode. Like, he was basically a non-participant. He completely folded like a chair. Uh, it, it was, like, my read was like, okay, if Jimenez wins, Kendall's soul is kind of cleansed, mm -hmm. right? If Mankin wins, Kendall keeps Waystar and ATN because the deal will get blocked. But if Roman is the Mankin guy doing all of the Mankin stuff at ATN, then Kendall kind of maintains like plausible deniability on some level if it backfires. Yeah, maybe so. But um, also if Roman is the Mankin guy and Mankin wins, then Roman might be in as CEO and Kendall might be out. It was like he was trying to make sense of all that in his head, Kendall was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. And, you know, I think as we see over the course of the episode, like what ultimately tips the scales for him is that he wants control of Waystar in whatever, you know, shape it will have for him. Yeah, no matter uh, what. No matter right. what. And that's really all that matters. Uh, when he's thinking about, you know, now we, we, we watch like the whole, you know, we'll, we'll get to it, obviously, but there are things that, that, that really push him in that direction as well. And, ha you know, had things gone a different way, had they stayed out of the, you know, the, the Mencken business and let it all air out, if Jimenez, if Jimenez wins, then I don't know what happens. I, you know, I don't know what happens to the whole thing. I, I, I kind of think that there's still maybe is some like in the back of their minds, they're still holding out a little bit of hope that they could talk that, that administration into like some regulatory stuff and like maybe slow down the deal or they're, or, or they're going to go the other way. They're going to go with the Indian numbers or whatever it might be. Right. But this is, as Roman eventually says, like, this is this is this is certain. This is solid. Mankin will block the deal. Nothing else matters. We don't even need the Indian numbers. So that's... well, it sounds like at the end of the day, the issue with the Jimenez camp and with Jimenez and Gill is that they don't like ATN. Mm -hmm. They don't like the Roy family and the way that they have politically maneuvered themselves. Right. They are welcoming this Swede sure. in to take this whole thing over because maybe that will be better for them. Yeah. Right. So I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Uh, Rava, Kendall's wife, soon to be ex, I believe they're still in the midst of their gesundheit, uh, divorce proceedings of some kind. Rava calls Kendall because there's an SUV following them that it turns out is actually security hired by Kendall that he did not tell her about. Totally normal and not at all invasive behavior <laughs> for an estranged husband and yeah. father. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Kendall tells Rava to tell his daughter Sophie that he loves her. 
and that she is why he does everything he does. Nothing is going to happen. Exit polls say, Jimenez, I won't let the world push you around, okay, sweetie? Uh, referring to the fact that she got pushed by some Ravenhead guy in the street or whatever. But again, at the beginning of the episode, it feels like Kendall is sort of still leaning toward, like, hoping that, that you know, yeah. Jimenez will win. I think so. Ken then calls Nate, who once again asks that ATN cover the shit that's happening in Milwaukee, but Ken deflects away from that. He then gets on the phone with Jimenez himself, saying that when this is over, he thinks there needs to be a big conversation about tech, and says, may the best man who will, you know, protect American jobs and reign in tech and is called Daniel, <laughs> win. <laughs> And he tells him that tonight his eye is just right there at ATN, making sure it's fair as fuck. Fair as fuck. Tells him to have a good night, and most importantly, to stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Gotta stay hydrated. That's what I do. So Roman goes and meets with Mankin in person. Uh, This was a hilarious scene when he, first of all, the way he's ushered back through multiple doors and layers of security to actually get to Mankin's team um, just felt a little bit more like a like a dictatorship type situation, a little <laughs> a little more Nazi esque, just for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah. And uh, then they're like, he's like yelling with Mankin over this group of people that are working for Mankin, he calls him a f- massive fucking loser because mm-hmm. he's currently losing. Mankin blames it on Roman and ATN for being unwilling to uh, get behind the fraud or something like that. They're very direct. And Mankin tells Roman basically. If he loses, he wants that loss overcharacterized as a huge victory. He wants to be president, even if it isn't tonight. And it's this very strange, subtle, again, like they do this a lot in succession, like there's there's other things being said that aren't being said here, but then in the end, it's pretty direct. You, me, we'll go far over the road and into the bar, which made me yak, uh, both times they said it. It's just so cheesy and ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, is, is that, that's got to be some, from something. It has to be from something. It yeah. has to be yeah. a reference to something. I'm just not sure what. Yeah, I don't think they just made up that, uh, some, some little rhymey, rhymey timey. Their little buddy for, quote. For themselves. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, I mean, again, very clear that Roman is kind of willing to do whatever it takes at this point. So Tom freaks out on Greg for not getting coffee and gregging for him anymore. It says it's a long way back from pond life because Greg failed to get him a double shot, Barrett. He's, uh, <laughs> his, the, Tom's feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders. Uh-huh, that, that yeah. What he does tonight will affect everything. If he accidentally gets too drowsy and calls Colorado in the wrong direction, suddenly nukes are being fired. Kablooey. Yeah. We're all gone. <laughs> um, so they do cocaine together behind a whiteboard. Just a little bit. That's, Just a little bump. It's a good way to wake up. Yeah. Get your shit together. Tom says it's medically good for your brain. That's right. Yeah. When Greg tries to refuse, he's like, what are you saying? All Aztecs are stupid? <laughs> Don't be a racist little bitch about it. <laughs> which is, And he accuses Greg of pretending to do the coke, which is funny because his wife pretended to do coke like two episodes ago with Matson. Um, but all this was a very funny scene. There's not that many. Succession typically pretty, um, a lot of comedy is inserted throughout, sure. right? Yeah. Even during yeah. the heavy moments, you get a good laugh, you get some levity. This was not so much the case this episode. No, and even the even the even the laughs came at the like came at the, at the were born from stressful environments. Yeah, right, and generally horrible shit. Like the one kind of slapstick scene that we get in the same room, I think, is yeah. like with the wasabi. With the wasabi is like not tense, but like 
not comfortable. No, no, definitely not comfortable. We're, we, <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it, they did not want to let you kind of sit back in your seat in this episode. So even the funny moments are like, you're still a little bit tense, a little bit stressed out. Didn't want to let us off the hook. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the wasabi that is to come, Tom melts down on Greg for bringing him bodega sushi. And uh, to that point, it's too bad Tom and Greg didn't have factor. As the owner of a small business who loves binge watching TV and doesn't know how to cook too often, I end up getting unhealthy takeout or bodega sushi. Not anymore. Thanks to today's sponsor, Factor. Too busy to cook this May with Factor. Skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. Or let's be real, sometimes you need something healthy to eat while you enjoy your favorite shows from the couch. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. Want to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. No more waiting an hour and a half for the delivery guy who ends up canceling after deciding to eat your food in the car. This may get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. And they're delicious, by the way. My wife and I, with uh, two kids in the house, one of which is under six months old, we don't have a whole lot of time to be cooking right now, so we've been eating almost strictly factor for the last few weeks. And they're really, really, really good, man. It's really very, very delicious. into your lifestyle It is, apparently. Barrett. You could say that. <laughs> you could say that. So if you're living life on the fly like I am, I could not more highly recommend Factor. Find a shape for yourself this season. Head to factormeals.com slash OCC50 and use code OCC50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code OCC50 at factormeals.com slash OCC50 to get 50% off your first box. So Connor calls Tom to ask why the ATN film crew that is with him in filming, uh, none of their footage is making it to the air. So clearly they, they've, uh, they've installed an ATN crew at Connor's place sort of to, you know. Appease him. Appease him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're paying attention to you, bud. But they're not using any of it. And Schrodinger's cat, Barrett, yeah, I didn't look that up. I didn't have a chance to look that up. I looked but, it up. Yeah. In quantum mechanics, Schrodinger's cat is a thought experiment that illustrates a paradox of quantum superposition. So in Schrodinger's imaginary experiment, you place a cat in a box with a tiny bit of radioactive substance. When the radioactive substance decays, it triggers a Geiger counter, which causes a poison or explosion to be released that kills the cat. Now, what the fuck that has to do with Connor... <laughs> and and them not using this eight, I, the the implication is that he that nobody knows what's going to happen. He could win. Okay. He's still operating under that guise. Now I'm not smart enough to place these two things together. All right, Connor's belief that he could win and whatever the hell Schrodinger's yeah, well, cat is. I'll do a little bit of research, but that sounds like something for one of our uh, super intelligent board members to call in about. It for does. Yeah. It sounds like a perfect Patreon discussion, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. When Connor sees that he is not going to take Kentucky, which was apparently the only state that he had a real chance of making any waves in. Alas, Kentucky. <laughs> Alas, vanity. <laughs> he, uh, this is when he starts to accept the reality of not becoming president. Uh, and when Willis says, fuck Kentucky, he's like, I shan't become that. <laughs> so 
Uh, back at ATN, they have a digital election board malfunction, which sends Tom into a tailspin. Uh, he's also high on cocaine. And from this moment on, if you weren't there already, this is essentially when I maintained a constant state of anxiety and panic for the remainder of the episode, because it was just nonstop mm-hmm. the entire way through. And I feel like these touchscreens are always malfunctioning in real life. Yes. Like this was a very, very... Even on ESPN sometimes. Oh, oh, ESPN, the worst, is the worst. But certainly during these election night coverage. I can't tell you how many times I've seen an anchor like, and now we're just going to zoom in right here on this area, <laughs> and they like can't get it to work, and then yeah, they like end yeah. up like pulling away yeah it's very very important you got to have these touch screens working yeah they break so That's, much you know they 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 stop working for two seconds and guess what you change the channel exactly to a channel with one that is working which again that's what this is all about all for about. these people yeah it's the ratings uh the touch screens are such an issue that they have three backups and by the time this is all said and done tom has used all of his his <laughs> touch screens so they've used two of those by the end of the episode and they're down to their last touch screen mm-hmm Ken calls Tom about the touchscreen, freaking out on him, and Tom just kind of like hands this phone off to Greg. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. You would just give your phone to someone and walk away. But it turns out he's got three different cell phones that he's rolling with here. And Shiv calls one of Tom's other phones and pressures him to cover what Nate wants them to cover on ATN. She's got like Nate on the speakerphone, Kindle's in the room. She's going speaker to speaker? Yes. That, yeah, what, uh, it was, yeah, I liked that. Yeah, it was chaos. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Kendall is still apparently good with Jimenez winning, saying, quote, if these nut jobs are going paramilitary, we can say that. So he's trying to get Tom yeah, yeah. Yep. to, quote unquote, do the right thing here and report on what is happening. But Tom is not really willing to do that. He keeps pushing back because Tom knows that his audience will not like that news and thus abandon the channel. They've got other options now with FVA and whatever the hell the other <laughs> Veracruz or whatever right, it was. right. right. He wants to avoid coverage of anything that will rub the audience the wrong way. And uh, Roman comes in and asks if they've heard about the Antifa firebombing in Milwaukee at the vote counting center. Shiv is like, it's Mankinists. It's not Antifa. Roman calls that a false flag. And that was like just those, those cup, this couple minutes here. <laughs> it was like an, you know, a microcosm of everything we've experienced in the United States over the last several years. And it actually, like, when I rewatched this this morning, I was like, was Roman behind the fire? <laughs> like, I genuinely was so confused. Because, like, he gets that call from the Mankin guy who asks him to help with the narrative. Mm-hmm. And Roman's like, oh, yeah. Like, it, it just, it re- I think it became a little bit clear that the implication was like, and maybe these powers that be might also be sort of pulling the strings that cause some of this chaos. That it's not just natural chaos that's out you know yeah i mean i certainly didn't take it that far i don't think that roman or or anybody at waystar was behind it but but in mankin's camp possibly but totally within mankin's camp and then working with their essentially their guy to make sure that it's covered in a certain way and i thought that roman this entire episode just did an incredible job of like one you know really like and this is something we've talked about all season but really 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 just kind of like expressing and conveying the the nihilism of like that none of this shit actually matters so we might as well do might as well do what's best for us which he essentially says in, uh towards the end of the episode but then also through the first you know two-thirds of the episode does an amazing job of just kind of like encapsulating the way that i i know you know people like myself kind of feel like w- whatever 
a candidate on the right does, like anybody defending that can is able to just like brush it off. It's just all it just all like bounces off. False flag. And so the the way that he can just like you know yell out these 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 just kind of like catchphrases like false flag or like the Antifa or whatever it is to just kind of be like, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. Oh, that doesn't matter. No, that's not what it is. The way so he just keeps like shedding it. It's like nothing can penetrate, right? Yeah. And so that as, you know, <clears throat> everybody watching this episode probably feels slightly differently. But like for, you know, if you're if you're more like me, it was just like that was incredibly like frustrating and antagonizing kind of thing to watch where it's just like God, you're just like banging the table but it's also really important because that's that's how it is yeah like that's and that that's part of why discourse has been like lost right because and it probably goes a little bit you know and i'm not saying it doesn't go both ways here too where you can just like dig in your heels on anything and bury your head in the sand and nobody is willing to listen to like any type of factual information so it's, yeah roman nails that down here uh, in in every in all of his little, especially his little tiffs with Shiv throughout the episode, where he's just able to just so casually just like brush her off, mock her, false flag her, like all that type of stuff. Yeah, everybody so. who uh, I, there were a lot of fans of Succession, particularly on social media, who have kind of adopted Roman as their guy <laughs> over the last several weeks, and he made them all feel like idiots last night. <laughs> And they rightfully deserve it because I don't know what the hell made them think Pervy Romy was going to be their guy, but this is this this was him at his like yeah, and it, purest, most disturbing version. Totally, right? and he's been. I don't think he's been shy about this through through the series or especially this season about how you know he's kind of he's kind of the Mankin guy, even if he doesn't totally buy in or believe all that, he knows that that's what's like best, for, best him for him to align with. Easiest for him to use, yeah. And and easiest for him to use and adopt and 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 just kind of spout. So, Well, he becomes know. sort of this representative of like what the, the biggest issue, and you can put this on both political part, both main political parties in the United States, the issue that we have come across as a country is that people in power are willing to do whatever it takes to maintain that power, no matter the cost to the system, right. to the yeah. little guy. Yeah. And that's what Roman embodies in this episode, right? Uh, so he marches out to the ATN news floor where he is not supposed to be, according to his dad's rules, followed by Shiv and Ken. And I thought that was interesting. They kept referencing like that Logan did not allow the executives or the family or himself to be down there influencing what was happening on the news floor. So even Logan, who we see as a pretty monstrous individual in yep. some ways, yep. had his rules to keep his nose clean, so to speak. And, well, and to uh, let his people do their job. Right. You know, and uh, you're totally right. Like he, this is him. It was also a way of him saying they're doing this. Like I just let them work. I'm not, I'm, I'm not pushing any of the buttons the or, 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 yeah. pulling, or yeah. pulling the strings. Yeah, and the kids totally throw that out of the window. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, and he, he doesn't do this as much anymore, but like Jerry Jones, Cowboys owner. Oh, yeah, yeah, Who yeah. would always come down onto the field yeah. for like the fourth quarter. <laughs> and it's like, dude, 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 your coaches don't want you down Just here. stay in your box, Just guy. stay up there. Like you're, you're, you're down here. Your, your presence affects things. Yeah. You know, whether you mean it to or, or not. And like that... That that's kind of what I was thinking about here. It's a great like, analogy. Yeah, having these these three dopes down here on the floor is like affecting the way things are running and operating, and and could affect decision making. So, 
Tom tells Greg to wrangle them back upstairs. He has little to no success doing so. Uh, Shiv ends up pulling Tom aside here to apologize for some of the things she said last night. And clearly to give him the opportunity to apologize as well. Yeah. Which he is not interested in. Tough scene. This was a tough scene. They get into another fight. Another tough one. Tom tells Shiv that she sort of killed her dad. <laughs> And which she had already thrown out as like a thing she was kind of dealing with, right? Not to him, I don't think. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, dug into her pretty deep. And so she responds by telling Tom that she is pregnant. And for everyone that was like me and thought this would be some big bombshell moment that like Mm -hmm. shifted the course of their relationship, like I think Shiv intended it to be. That was not the case. Tom no. questioned whether or not she was even actually pregnant or if that was just a, quote, new position or a tactic or what. Yeah. Which just shows you, I mean, again, you know, this guy's very tired. Now he's on cocaine. He has he has completely lost interest in repairing this relationship with his wife. Yeah. I think it is over as it could possibly be for him. His only interest now is self-preservation, which, again, in the same vein as Roman is the reason for a lot of his immoral, psychotic decision-making in this episode. Yeah, and I, I so the, the, the coke scenes with Greg seemed important in a way. I don't know why, but they just, it was like an interesting thing to highlight here. We obviously know that he's been uh, exhausted and, and tired, um, but I was just kind of like wondering how it would play out. And I actually felt like this was the scene that the coke was kind of there for. Building to. Building yeah. to. Uh, rather than some of the other ATN stuff, because he really just follow like he really just does what he's told. Yeah, with, he's the, a lackey. with the ATN stuff. But this was where that like really stood out to me. Like this felt like the type of reaction that you would have, and the type of the lack of kind of compassion and empathy for a guy that we've kind of said is like we still think love Shiv and like maybe has like a little bit more uh, of like true emotion and true feeling than she might. And here, where he's just like completely removed, completely cold, gives her absolutely nothing. Like, I feel like that was kind of supposed to 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 suggest that that's a little bit of the drugs there. Yeah, he's strung out. Strung out and coked out. And, you know, is not handling this in like a very uh, human way. Yeah, that, I mean, you could take it like if perhaps he had not chosen to also uh, ingest amphetamines on this night, that maybe this would have been their window. Sure. But yeah, it's gone. Right, but it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Shiv yeah. storms off, and then back in the news hub, the ATN crew is doing some coverage of the fire in Milwaukee, but as Kendall points out, they aren't covering who's responsible, which he feels like is the story. And Roman spouts out, to me, it comes down to a couple old favorites, the blacks or the Jews. And like the whole newsroom is like, what the fuck, guy? <laughs> it's like, it's a joke. I'm joking. It's a joke. But just like pushing him even further in that direction of like, oh, God, what is this dude is not yeah. solid upstairs. Yeah, well, very willing to do the, the jokey racism thing. Yeah. 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 So we get into a, whether or not the Wisconsin vote can be called because the absentee votes have to be counted and there are 100,000 absentee ballots missing. And that's aside from the fire. And like Roman says, Mankin and his team's position is that Wisconsin is done and that ATN should call it. And at this point, Kendall is on Shiv's side still as they're all three in this room arguing and Roman says Shiv's guys must have known they were going to lose, so they did something crazy to get a revote, 
which is, of course, funny because it sounds like it was actually Mankinus who did this, and that's exactly why they did it, which is a fun little, like, uh, reverse psychology experiment we've seen play out all too often recently in the old U.S. of A. present day. It's one of the things that I've noticed politicians like to do more and more frequently over the last several years is they actually accuse the other side of doing what it is that they are doing, which then, you know, because there's some shred of truth to it, gets their base to go, I knew it. I fucking knew it. (laughs) And it's just, it's a nightmare. It's not great. Uh, Roman then says point blank that Jimenez won't block the Gojo deal. And that's why he is not in any way interested in seeing him take the uh, White House. So this is where Kendall starts to sway. And he just keeps saying, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Like he basically can't decide what's best for him at this point or like what if it's what's best for the country or what's best for his family or just strictly what's best for him. And that, you know, all important goal of maintaining power and ownership over Waystar. And we know where he goes in the end. But you could see like the I just it was such a pathetic these moments where you watch him falter, mm. where he's like, I, I I don't, I don't, like he basically just backs down and it's Shiv and Roman fighting and Kendall's yep. like again a non-participant. Those were sad. Yeah. Like if you've been on the the team that I have, where you're kind of like you're like all right, this is clearly a broken guy with a lot of issues and and no doubt. But you're sort of rooting for him to get it together, right? You're sort of rooting for him to maybe at the end of the day make the right decision. Like this this episode for me was the final opportunity for him to really do that. And he completely falls on his face. Even if he, I, I, I agree with you. you. I mean, as, as somebody that does root for Kendall, you definitely do want him to do the right thing. You definitely do want him to like not side with Roman here. You know, cut, cut, at least that's you know that that's where we are, right? Even him just standing up and aligning himself with Mankin, though, I think would have felt a little bit better. As far as the, the as far as the Kendall of it goes, because like what you're saying, like what we hate seeing from Kendall or what I hate seeing from Kendall is like the 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 sad dog, the sad dog thing. Yeah. Which is what, we, you know, we got like here. tail between his legs, like can't go one way or the other, can't make a decision, can't just like, you know, can't just act. Right. And that's pick always side, pick, that's always kind of the thing that he's kind of been lacking. And so sometimes we we, we see flashes Right, and then all you know, of a sudden, more, in the more, biggest moments, more sports though. analogies. It's yeah. like they're you know we got prospects out there. Oh, they flash. They've got a good game, and then three shitty ones. Yeah, and so it's like that's that. It was almost like you just kind of wanted him to stand up and do something, have some conviction, here. man. Have, have, have some conviction and and go in a direction here instead of kind of like letting it all just kind of crash down around. Whatever you happens, happens, and whatever happens, happens, and right, and let the chips fall where they may. And like you know, you just you want him to have some type of like agency for and and and. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, accountability for what happens. Yeah, that's so. He yeah. removes himself from that too. I compared him to uh, James Harden in Game Seven. Yeah, because it's like you you know he's got it in him. Why won't he do something? Right. Why won't he go do something? Yeah. Like, this is your moment. Do something. But he can't fucking do it. Some people just aren't uh, built for those big moments. Well, he never had the makings of a varsity athlete. He didn't. <laughs> Great Sopranos <laughs> reference. So Tom comes in and says FVA and Vera News, which are these further right-leaning news organizations, are both calling Wisconsin. Do I have to say leaning? They're just further right. Uh, they're both calling Wisconsin for Mankin. 
So they're the other, you know, these ones that Tom sees as his competitors, as these threats that he could lose yep. audience share to, they're going all the way for Mankin. They're all out, they're all in, and uh, he wants he he thinks they need to call it too for that reason. Shiv calls those networks maniacs, and Roman is like, well, we can't be outflanked. We need to call it. And they bring in Darwin, who says that the margin for Mankin in Wisconsin is significant and could not be made up by existing, outstanding, uncounted votes, only by the ones that were destroyed. So they have lost some significant amount of votes in this fire. Nobody knows how many. They say a recount or a revote is very, very complicated and unlikely, and it gives Roman all of the ammunition he needs yeah. to really uh, pour it on here. So Darwin and Shiv say that they actually do know which way those votes would have broken down and that they would have gone democratic because they're able to use historical information about which way people vote, right? And essentially, it sounds like this firebombing and or whatever happened here uh, was strategic because they targeted a Milwaukee vote counting center where there would have been a whole bunch of Jimenez votes and that they knew that. Right. There's a lot of reference to like something that does come up during every election. Well, here's the way this county voted in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the way this county voted in 2020. And they can use that historical information to assume certain things about the voter turnout, about yep. the votes that have been counted. That's how they end up calling different counties and states, et cetera. And uh, this is where it becomes pretty aggressively clear that it was Mankinists who lit this fire that, you know, although we never get confirmation and there's never actually any real reporting done on it, that it's pretty, you know, blatant what they were what they were trying to pull off here. So um, what else? Oh, Tom says Shiv sounds a little unhinged and Kendall says, you fucking watch it, Tom. Fucking watch it. Which like it almost fe- I was almost like, fuck you, Kendall, because it felt like this moment where they're like, see, he still stands up for his sister. Mm hmm. And it's like, yeah, but he doesn't stand up for anything that actually matters ever, like ever. Um, And of course, like as I'm making the argument that, you know, they're using the historical data, they know what's on those ballots. Roman is making the counter argument, which is that there's no way for them to know what is actually on those ballots. And they have no idea what's in the hearts and minds of the Americans in those counties and that they could have changed their minds. They could be voting completely differently than they did last time. It could be all Mankin votes (laughs) in there, Barrett, which in fairness cannot be disproven. Uh, it's, it could, yeah. Because they burnt all the ballots. Right. <sighs> so, Tom, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Roman completely manhandles Shiv and Kendall in this scenario where Ken is, like, completely spacing out at this point. He's just kind of sitting there like, I can't believe this is happening, sort of, and, like, that I'm party to it, and mm-hmm. also I don't want to stop it. And that's when Ravenhead, Mark Ravenhead, gets on TV and starts ranting about how the left is attempting to throw off the election because they saw that they were losing and that the leftist elites are just picking the people's next government for them. Here's your next government. Just take it. And uh, these are all talking points that we quickly find out he got directly from one Roman Roy. So Romulus. Yeah, Roman. Really, really going for it. Matson calls Shiv and asks him what the fuck she asked. He asks her what the fuck is going on. Uh, he asks if he needs to be ready to get cozy with Mr. Uh, Scary, as he calls Mankin, and tells Shiv not to let them break his new toy. So just like interesting third party Swedish um, point of view here from mm-hmm. the, from from old Matson. 
Shiv takes Greg into a room and tells him that if he fucks her, she's going to kill him. And Greg asks, basically, like, she knows Greg has been hanging out with Matson and that Greg likely knows things about Shiv that she wishes he didn't know. Yep. She's trying to put pressure on him. Greg asks, what's in it for me to remain silent? Quote, silence is golden. Like, how golden? Is there an offer? And Shiv's offer is to let him keep all his internal organs on his insides rather than pull them out of his asshole. Which was not a strategically sound response. No, it seems like she should have made him um, a better offer than that yeah, one. Yeah, it was, this was a mistake. Roman comes in and tells Kendall that Mankin has promised him he will block the Gojo deal in exchange for their support tonight. Kendall is, again, passive. He does nothing to stop his brother here. He basically goes along with it. And so Roman stomps into Tom's office and tells them to call Wisconsin for Mankin. Darwin pushes back, attempting to explain why he can't do that, but Roman does not back down. Actually, they end up promising Darwin, like, look, man, you can get on TV and explain why it is that this is murky or whatever. And then later in the episode, when Greg brings that up, like, oh, Darwin wants to know if he can go out and do his thing. His caveats, yeah. Yeah, give his caveats, they tell him no. There is no time. So uh, this is the scene where Darwin gets wasabi from Greg's bodega sushi on his fingers and then into his eyes, and then Greg dumps lemon lacroix on his face to attempt to extinguish the wasabi flames and makes it worse. (laughs) It's not that lemony. It's just a hint of lemon. And uh, Tom goes into the newsroom and tells them they're calling Wisconsin for Mankin. There goes the blue wall. Connor shows up and offers to concede in Mankin's direction in exchange for a deal. So now that Connor has realized he is out, this isn't going to happen for him. He wants to steal again. He wants to get something out of it, right? And Mankin agrees to this because he wants to keep up the momentum. So this is right after Mankin has been told, all right, yes, ATN is going to call Wisconsin for you. So at this point, he is willing to take this concession from Connor, who is going to go out there and say, I am conceding, but not just conceding. I am conceding to the next president of the United States, Yeah, and that's, and that's Mankin. the deal. Not just the concession, but the but but the concession with the with the the prop up of Mankin, basically. It gives him all even more momentum, yeah. right? So uh, Willis says she's torn because Mankin is very right wing, but Vienna for lunch, Venice for dinner, and Dubrovnik for breakfast. Barrett. Yeah, yeah, that does sound good. Can't turn that down. No. Again, even Willa, who we've seen as like a. One of the more morally sound characters, when push comes to shove, yeah. she takes care of Willa. That's right. So Connor goes up on stage and concedes to Mankin, also calls out his first running mate and her replacement, <laughs> those two jackrabbits. He sarcastically apologizes for being a billionaire, uh, says that America made a mistake, and then says, quote, Con heads, I salute you. And America, be afraid, be warned, for the con heads are coming. <laughs> Yeah, do you think he's gonna get uh, the, one of the slows after after that little performance? Because it, it starts out in you know the way that he's supposed to supposed to say it, but then I don't know. It feels like he kind of goes off the rails a little bit here. He's ad libbing, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't know how happy Mankin will be yeah. with that last part. Right. But uh, I have a feeling he got it done the way he the, you, yeah. he got what he needed to get okay. done. All yeah. Right. yeah. Frank says Connor was running for president. So you you think that we we that uh, the uh, the Conroy Conheads spinoff in uh, in one of the slows with Dubrovnik for breakfast, Venice for lunch, and uh, and 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 where where's the other uh, one? Vienna and Vienna for dinner? You think that's still in play? The spinoff? 
I think it's possible. Yeah, good. I good, think it's good. possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs makes the most comfortable and versatile shorts, pants, and bathing suits in the entire world. I've been wearing them for several years now. They cannot be beaten. I wear them to sleep, to do yard work, to work out, to go swimming. I wear them to do everything. They fit great. They feel great. They look great. They're just great shorts. I would argue the greatest. They even look good on my chicken leg having ass because they have a phenomenal shape, Barrett. I've got the Art Fart Knockers, Duffy the Vampire Slayers, Uncle Bucks, Teddy Rubskins. They all have funny names, if you haven't uh, picked up on that. If you want to look like money while you're working in the yard or swimming at the pool this summer, bird dogs are the move friend, and their pants are great for the golf course, the boardroom, or the bar. Hashtag versatile. So click on the link in the description below to go to birddogs.com, enter code DRAGON at checkout, and they will throw in a free Yeti-style tumbler with every order, like the one I am holding in my hand for you now. That's birddogs.com, code DRAGON, for a free Yeti-style tumbler to make sure you look good all summer long. Birddogs.com, code DRAGON, for the old Bird Dogs tumbler with every order. Darwin comes in and informs Kendall and Roman that Arizona is going red. And this mirrored something that happened in real life, but I can't really remember and put my finger on exactly what it was. But essentially, ATN is now boxed in because they called Wisconsin early. And now if they call Arizona accurately, for all intents and purposes, the election is they, over they, mathematically. They've, they've declared Macon the winner. So yeah. they've called it for Macon. Yeah. They're in this weird spot because they don't actually know about Wisconsin. But Roman is like, yeah, go do it. And Kendall at this point, does try to push back a little bit. You can tell he's shook with the weight of this decision. Like, oh my God, now we're actually calling the presidency for this guy? Kendall and Roman talk privately, though, and they get into how when they were kids and Kendall wanted chicken, but Roman wanted steak, they'd always have chicken. It ends with Kendall asking, so because we ate so much chicken when we were kids, I have to like the fascist. (laughs) And Roman argues that if they don't call it early and he wins anyway, that they're screwed because these other further right-leaning networks are going to back Mankin and call it for him and that they're going to lose their audience share, they're going to lose their political power and their ties with the White House. So, uh, yeah, Kendall tries to half-assedly defend America. He says, it's kind of a nice idea, you know, all all the different people together. (laughs) Roman shits all over that. He even argues that maybe America could benefit from a dose of the Frighteners and running shit back 20, uh, the, you know, implication being 20 years. And uh, he says, quote, nothing matters, Ken. Nothing fucking matters. Dad's dead and the country is just a big pussy waiting to get fucked, which is a Tony Montana line from Scarface, but he uses it in reference to Miami. Uh, Connor, I'm sorry, uh, Roman also says that they should motorboat the bosom of history. Yeah, I, th- I think the dad's dead line is a big one here because I, I think that Roman's behavior, I mean, really the entire season, but especially now, has just become more more and more and more erratic and kind of like unhinged and nihilistic and just like, I mean, this is this, this just feels like a full on like lash out. Like this is something to pour energy into, something to 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 feel alive, something to try to fill the void of like this massive loss, right? Um, oh, definitely. And, and and it's and it's just kind of like spun out and and manifested in in this from Roman. Yeah. Right. Because this is just kind of like, although it is somewhat characteristic from what we've seen over the seasons, it's 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 way further than anything we've really seen before. And I just I'm 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 thinking back even to like the Norway episode, right? Where when Kendall even pitches the idea of holding on to Waystar, like 
Roman isn't that into it. You know, he talks about like wanting to preserve the deal that his dad was kind of his dad's like final thing. Remember Roman with the hundred? He finally gets, yeah, Roman was all in on this hundreds thing and he finally gets talked into it. And it's like, once he's put on this track, it's like the only thing that he can, that he can think about. This is just going to go as far and deep as he has to, 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 to pull this off. Cause it's what like he can consume himself with. I think between his dad dying and Jerry turning on him, who was yeah. pretty much yep. his only other confidant friend, totally. emotionally attached person. That was it. Yeah. That was the clean break. And really, Jerry put him in a position where he had no choice yeah, in his mind right, right. but to yep. do this to preserve himself, right? <clears throat> um, and I think you're right. I thought that was a huge line when he acknowledges dad is dead is how he starts it, right? Because it's almost like dad's dead. Nothing matters anymore. Nothing matters anymore. Yep. You know, let's just do what we have to do to get our nut. Um, Kendall then meets with Shiv, who suggests that they recant. And Kendall tells Shiv that Mankin has agreed to block Matson's deal. Kendall admits he feels threatened by Roman and Mankin's relationship, which I thought was an interesting line that obviously he's starting, his wheels are starting to turn on like, okay, well, if this all works out, Roman has more power than me now because he's the guy with the relationship with the president. Then things start to get weird. Shiv calls Roman or Kendall a good guy repeatedly, I think at first trying to get him to see reason. But, like, Shiv also half argues that whatever advantage they gain from this as corporate players in the short term, it may not be worth the soul of the nation. And Kendall just says straight up, I don't think I'm a very good father. (laughs) And Shiv's like, you are? You're, you know, I mean, you're okay. You tried. That's all we can do. Uh, Which just, that's not true. Like, he didn't, he is not a good father. This is, this is not, she's just sort of curtailing to whatever she thinks she needs to say to get like i don't i don't really know yeah again another tough scene in this episode because it's like we've seen moments of softness between kendall and shiv before we've seen these kind of like these private moments between them even earlier in this episode you mentioned that like when kendall kind of like shouts down tom in defense of his sister and when they're down on the floor and uh they can tell shiv's upset after talking to tom like they kind of he you know say i think kendall says that they've got her back like and there's there's some head nods between them you know there's there is a little bit of like brotherly sisterly love there happening and so i think in this scene we it it it's so sad because we want this relationship to be real kendall is being vulnerable he's opening up and you kind of like what shiv is saying like we think that she believes Right. You know, she does have like this. I, I I think that she does want to protect democracy, even though she is as as, uh, as Sarah Snooks says in the after the episode that like it's not like she's some altruist. Right. But she does at least. You know, she flirts with the idea pretend to like ha- <laughs> or, or, or align herself with a more progressive faction of 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 the population. And so it's like. Yeah, this is the better decision for democracy. Unfortunately, it's completely undercut and, you know, devalued and she loses all credibility because of what she's also fighting for on on for her own means. Right. Because of of the game that she's playing because of the move that moves that she has made. And so none of it is none of it is 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 real for right. all for for intents and purposes not to Ken, not, not to, to not Ken, to Kendall which is the thing that matters right and, that, and so it's 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 pretty heartbreaking to watch them anytime you watch the Roy siblings have sort of a moment of 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 real humanity of real softness 
And then it's just like completely wiped, you know, it's blanketed by bullshit, er- erased yeah. off the whiteboard because of the bullshit that they are all doing underneath. Yeah. Ken, in reference to maybe not being a good father, says maybe the poison drips through, which I would just note, it definitely does. <laughs> and uh, Shiv says that she doesn't even think their dad would have done this for Mankin. Kendall's like, but dad basically picked him, which took me back to that episode where that is actually sort of true. And Kendall asks Shiv to, he's basically like last ditch effort. He's like, he's trying to convince himself not to do this, not to get all in with Mankin and with Roman. And he's like, look, call Nate, get him to give us something in the way of Jimenez promising to block the deal too. Or considering it. Yeah. At least thinking about it and talking regulatory. Like like, like, I think he just wants a kernel of like like the possibility. That they'll think about it. So that he can use it to, yeah. to continue to go on the on the more morally sound route or yep. whatever. And Shiv says, again, on the way out of the room, you're a good guy. Then Shiv fakes a call with Nate and does an absolutely terrible job of attempting to convince Kendall and Roman that Jimenez would also block the deal. She just chokes here when it was when it was time to perform. When she could have actually she could have lied in a way that would have benefited you know, arguably everyone, and she failed. She just, like, didn't She didn't convince either of them that it was really real to the point that Kendall gets suspicious. He walks out, talks to Greg, asks if Greg knows anything, and this is where Greg pulls out the fine wine and smashes it over Shiv's fucking head. Yes. Um, Ken finds out that Shiv is a double agent. She's in with Matson, and this breaks Kendall's already severely malfunctioning moral compass entirely, and causes him to just go all in on Mankin because, as Barrett just said, it shows that Shiv was not acting um, genuinely, that she had underlying motives, yep. and that he can't trust anything that came out of her mouth. Shiv threatens to and, go pub and, and didn't even make the phone call. Right, right. That she that that's the other piece she gets from Greg or you know. from going out there because before he talks to Greg, he calls himself. Yeah, and you have to guess that they were like Shiv didn't we didn't just yeah, talk to we your didn't sister. talk to yeah. yeah. Um. So. As Kendall's like reaming his sister and and Kendall and Roman are becoming one again here, Shiv threatens to go public. She freaks out, says this is about the future of the country. So now she's willing to go there, but she's like, it's like too little too late. Um, And then we get this scene where Greg goes to inform the newsroom that they're calling it for Mankin. And Jess, Kendall's assistant, sort of like attempts to stop him. A little bit. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It was so weird. And like it ends with Greg being like, Well, it's not gonna change anything if I don't go. So you know, he like goes but it was almost like one last chance for Gregory Hirsch to save his soul. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it's too far gone. And I and I just thought, you know, again, interesting that like throughout what we're seeing is that it what what's portrayed is that Maybe some ATN talent, maybe some ATN people, like like uh, kind of align or agree with what they're saying potentially, but that there are so many people throughout that are that are just acting in self preservation and self interest. Yeah, you know that 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 the that 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 just kind of supersedes everything. I just thought that that was kind of interesting too. That like. Kendall's not really into this, and Greg's not really into this, and Jess sure sure is not into this, and Shiv is not into this. Tom is just an operator that, I mean, just, fought, you know, blowing whichever way the wind tells him to, right? Like, it's just all like, I think that is, is pointed that it just, you know, that, that there are, that there are all of these opportunities to not do this, but that 
it just all happens because everybody is says things like Greg says, like, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Yeah. So what? It, so what? What's the point? In the end, the Greg scene here for me felt like that quote: uh, "The only thing necessary for evil to triumph in the world is that good men do nothing," and that that's you know, the implication is also that like at at Fox News when we watched what unfolded unfold over in 2020, right? with all the election denying and the Tucker Carlson of it all, yep. that there were a lot of people who had to just say, eh, okay, yeah, let things go. Oh, for ratings. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the numbers. Yeah, I'll keep my job. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody right. had a reason that they were able to write it off in their head. Yeah. And in the end, it was almost, you know, total disaster for democracy. Right. Which is not great. Um. Mankin calls Roman to thank him. They do the stupid bar quote again. And then Greg starts getting angry calls from all the people who want to scream at Tom. <laughs> and Shiv calls Matson to say that they need to get the funky numbers out the next day while all of this crazy news is going on. Now they really might get it like swept completely under the rug mm-hmm. because who the fuck's going to be paying attention to that? And Shiv says, quote, we're going to fuck them so hard we're going to fix this, yeah? Which I... I don't think so, Shiv. Like, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. not putting my fucking bet on you at no, this point. Uh-uh. You know, I don't. I, good luck. Good luck figuring something out to stop this train. Kendall calls Rava, wanting to come see the kids. She basically says no, and he says, "I'll see you tomorrow at the funeral." So we're gonna have to deal with that yeah. in episode nine. And his last line of the episode is Kendall saying, "Some people just can't cut a deal." Fikret to his driver. Driver. Yeah. What the hell did that mean? Uh, I think that this was, again, as we're talking about, more justification for the decision-making that feels bad in Kendall's soul. But he's, he's you know, but all, appeasing that. But all Jimenez, Nate, Gil, all they had to do was, was cut, cut a deal. Uh, okay, yeah. If they, would just, if they had just played ball, they could have avoided this. It's, it's essentially, I think, how he's justifying, justifying it here in his own head. Uh, um, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. But, uh, but... But yeah, uh, just it, it. I think what's one of the very interesting things um, we are on this daily, you know, this kind of daily episode type thing, like one one day essentially per episode, or yeah. maybe thirty six hours. But but certainly, you know, we're, it's a continuous line. It doesn't seem like this is going to be something that's buttoned up at all at the end of the series. I wouldn't think so. So really, it's it's that it. So I'm interested to see how it all folds in because there's no real way that like. In the next three days, in the next they, three days, the legal side the, of this the is the solved. The legal side of this is solved. So I think, you know, e- even in the right, even in the twenty sixteen, sorry, twenty twenty election, um, that that it was like a week before anything was like. Yeah, it was super confusing because we're so used to watching, or at least I was used to watching the you know election night coverage, and at some point later in the evening, you get this it's call. Called, it's called. Hey, right. this is your next president, and that night it was like, so what? So what now? It just like kept going. It just kept going and, I, and, and going I, and, and going. And that's probably the new normal. Uh, I know we love that that term uh, post pandemic, but like I, I don't think in our lifetimes, just like, triggered me. A presidency will ever be called the night of again. Yeah, probably not. I think it's always going to be too close to call in like the only states that matter, essentially, and uh, and it'll take weeks to count all those votes because of all of the, you know, all of the lobbying for quote unquote. Making sure the elections are fair and whatnot, and 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 that's just what we have. What like, I think it's going to be a week from election every time now. You got to stop counting in Delaware, but keep counting in New Mexico, Barrett. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure there's ever been a more 
Sopranos-esque episode of Succession where they rub in your face how fucked up you are for allowing yourself to stand these characters. <laughs> like, we all got to this point over the course of season four so far where we're like, well, I'm Team Shiv, or I'm Team Kendall, or I'm Team Roman, or I, like, you know what I mean? And it, we're all wrong. Like, again, I think it, it's coming, we've argued this a lot over and over this season, but it's like it's coming back to these are all desperate, broken, horrifyingly selfish and powerful people that end up making decisions that absolutely fuck the regular everyday citizen almost, mm-hmm. right? With little to no regard for consequence. And that's the story of succession to me if you're if you're taking it through episode eight of season four, is that the like there in the end, you know, democracy is democracy. But when it when push comes to shove, there are all these people up top that are like pushing buttons that of course outweigh whatever it is we're doing down here as voters. And for the most part, that does seem to be true. And ironically, I think that truth is one of the reasons we ended up in the pickle we were in in like 2016, 2020, where people don't feel represented anymore. They don't feel like their voice is being Mm -hmm. heard. And then both parties arguably are able to utilize that feeling to their own benefit, ironically not caring to fix the feeling or the problem at all. It's just usury for the most part. Yeah. And it just, this show gets like, it has become so much more like Game of Thrones than I realized too in a lot of ways. Like we're in that final season, you're like, what about the people of Flea Bottom? Yeah. It's like, nobody fucking cares. (laughs) Nobody cares. In fact, they're all going to die. And But I would also, uh, you know, just as I jump up on my political high horse here, like it is, it's, the the more we acknowledge that a certain sect of people actually are able to put their you know hand on the scale the more important it is to go vote oh for sure to actually exercise the right because it's like the you know the the dread of it all the the like nothing matters the we don't make the decisions anyway like it, it's like a it's a vicious cycle, right? Because that keeps people in instead of going out. When really the power is ours, it if we make sure it is ours. If we make sure it remains, if ours. if we make sure it remains ours, which and, is clearly and so, and it's like, slipped to some degree. Yes, now, I'm not saying yeah. we've lost that fight entirely, but the feeling that gets manipulated by yeah, certain political shitty, factions, and it's a shitty feeling, regardless, to just know that 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 people are able to put their hands on the scales like this in in either direction at any time. Every election now, you know? Yeah. And I mean, just to be clear, politically, it has happened both ways. We've just seen in recent history, one party be um, a lot more willing to go further than the other. (laughs) And in in ways that that are significantly more impactful, I think, than the other. Um, But I'm not saying that the blame lies with either necessarily either large party entirely. I think it's more the two party system on the whole. If you wanted to get into the politics of it with me, the two party system on the whole is fairly broken at this point. Uh, yes, and yes. and there's some fixing that needs to be done there eventually. I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime, but let's go parliament style. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have legitimately no idea how this series ends. Uh, but anyone thinking that there will be a happy ending needs to reexamine their judgment. That is I believe. Correct. I think this is going to be fairly brutal last couple episodes. I am terrified to watch Roman give this speech. If you look at the way this episode unfolded, going into next episode, my fear is that Roman will maintain momentum and and that somehow he is able to sort of crush everyone. Like My, my feeling is currently that all three 
of the Roy kids outside of Connor, all the all the the three, you know, our three mains here are all um they 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 are currently walking that that razor wire tightrope and I think they all fall off of it. The 500 the, foot reputational drop is the coming 500 for all of them. foot reputational drop is coming for all three of them is 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 what I think. I think that for me the signs point to um despite the one goal to that that all of them have to remain inside they all fall outside. I I'm with you. My guess is that Matson will wheel and deal his way into a relationship with Mankin that is more meaningful than what Roman has. Mm. Because he was already asking by the, the part, part way through this episode, like, do I need do to, I need to go yeah. make friends with Mr. Scary? And if, if I'm picking between the two, I'm still, I don't know that there's a character who Roman would beat out. When push comes to sh- I mean, he has serious baggage that comes yes. with him in the form yes. of Jerry at this point. There are a lot of problems. He's, he's, he's a little perv, dude. And if Mangan is smart, I think he'd go with Matson over Roman. So I still think, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't, I do not, I will be shocked if this ends well for any of the Roy children. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's where I'm at. We'll further discuss on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles later this week. In the meantime, we'd appreciate it if all season long you would support our sponsors by using our dedicated URLs and codes. That is how we pay the piper here at Oyster Clam Co., this week we had Factor, that's factormeals.com slash OCC50 to get 50% off your first box. Code OCC50 at factormeals.com slash OCC50 for 50% off your first box. It's delicious. Try it. Go get 50% off your first box today. Birddogs.com, code DRAGON, that's a new code, DRAGON, to make sure you look good all summer long. Dragon. You get a free Yeti-style tumbler like the one I am holding in my hand with every order. Code DRAGON at birddogs.com. Links and codes for today's sponsors in the description of this episode. And once again, if you're looking for more coverage of Succession's final season and these final three episodes between 8, 9, and 10, we do an exclusive ad-free episode every week driven by hotline calls from our Oystar Clamco board members, as we call them, on Patreon dot com slash oysters clams cockles subscribe on patreon for as little as five dollars a month to support our show and enjoy so much more exclusive occ content ad free when you join you'll immediately gain access to our entire backlog of content on patreon including the first seven episodes worth of bonus episodes with hotline calls uh, for succession season four as well as all of our the last of us season one bonus coverage and season one of House of the Dragon, and season two of The White Lotus, and you'll get access to our entire companion podcast for HBO's classic crime drama, The Sopranos, friendly to first-timers and rewatchers alike. So get in there, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles today. If you're an F1 fan, check out Bolin Media's premiere F1 programming, Formula Bone at youtube.com slash at Formula Bone and at Formula Bone on all social media. And finally, for more from me, Ross Bolin, Listen to the Ross Bolin podcast and wherever you listen to OCC and follow me at WR Bolin. Mr. Dudley, where can people follow you on social media? Get at me on Instagram or at Twitter at Barrett Dudley. And go to BolinMedia.com slash shop to grab yourself some of our merch like the Kendall Logan Roy crossed out or underlined hat on my head or the Oystar Clamco hat in front Collectors of me. Collector's items, ladies and gentlemen. Disgusting Brothers t-shirts. We've got great stuff on BolinMedia.com slash shop in the form of Succession-inspired merch. Barrett and I will be back on Thursday to further digest and discuss Episode 8 of Succession Season 4 on Patreon. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Until next time, fuck off.